So these guys just got back from the mountains. They just got back from how long? Four days? Four days. Four days. OK, you're the keeper of the mic. Um, so it's red. Just hit it when it's, and then you can talk. Um, and so one of the things when we were talking, uh, when, when Tony said, hey, Tony said, hey, everyone know Tony? OK, Tony is our men's leader. One of the things that when we talked about what these guys experienced, I thought it was really unique and how good of God to be able to talk about what it is like to go up the mountains spiritually. Right when I was a, a youth pastor, I used to I used to frame the entire year based around camp, and I would. I would, I would book the whole year, and we'd have parties, and we would talk, and, and we'd do all this stuff, but it really focused on the year during summer when they spent a week up at camp, because it was during that week at camp that something happened, that, that there was enough slowing down and enough quietness and enough beauty and maybe enough hunger that when you go up there, it's like, I'm going to experience something. I'm going to experience them today. So I heard some great stories, but who would like to take a couple of you guys just share what God did up there? Okay. <coughs> Say, hey, Craig. Hey, guys. It's Craig. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, we went up to the men's retreat, and there's just... There's 28 of us total, um, the seven of us and one other guy from here. And um, yeah, we just had a wonderful time where God spoke to us and healed wounds that we didn't even know we had. So for you, what did God do for you? Um, he healed a lot of my wounds that made it to where I didn't go to church for 12 years. And um, thanks to me getting married and wanting to raise the kids in a Christian church, I started coming back. But he healed the wounds of what Christians did to me and made it to where I could forgive Christians and not, and now I can serve. And um, I ended up getting rebaptized while I was up there as a rededication of my life. Oh, one more time. Anyway, so what got you up there? Uh, I went up there with uh, some anger. I didn't really. I asked God, why do you put bad things on me? And I struggled with that a lot. And uh, I struggled with my own, why God do you give me the family that you've given Because I don't deserve it. And this these guys here, we, uh, we talked a lot, we prayed a lot, and a peace finally came because 
I says, God, why do I not have the strength and the love that I want for you when I know you give us your grace? And uh, <clears throat> it was on the third day, second day, third, third day. I uh, I came I came at peace with God because He just He filled me with joy. He let me. He says, "I'm here for you," and and I just felt that He came into my life that He never has in the past. I've came in and out of the church, many churches in my life. But I've never felt the love that he gives us and that this church gives me in my life. And thank you all. So, right, mountaintop experiences are spiritual. Are spiritual. They're also scriptural. Right, there's nothing unique about God meeting us in places that we go to. Right? You can look at Exodus and you, you see Moses just tending sheep, doing his day-to-day -day stuff, seeing a burning bush going up to the mountain. And and there, what what is he, he he hears God saying, Hey, take off your sandals for this is holy ground. And then you when you read Exodus, you see a God who not only redefines a person, identity, and then he's very specific on what he's called. You see Elijah going ticked, right? Just mad. He had just got done going to war against the prophets of Baal. He had mocked them. And then he got the, got the attention of Jezebel. And he goes up into the hills to hide. And he tells God in the hills, he's like, Dude, I'm it. I'm the only one here. Right? I'm the only person that... That is left. And then it says that, that he went out on a ledge and he heard God in a whisper and he's encouraged. Because isn't mountaintop experiences encouraging? Have you ever been to camp? Have you ever been away? Have you ever done anything? There are moments of great encouragement and great release. And, and there's a section of scripture, right? You see where God meets provision in Genesis with Abraham and and Isaac, where they go up to the mountain, and in fact, Abraham, in the midst of that, when the ram is caught in a thicket, is a God who provides. So he provides, he encourages, he equips, he calls. And the tension is us want to stay there. And how many of you guys wanted to, like, I ain't going home? Was it that kind of? Yeah. <coughs> no? no? Well, I got <laughs> I'll have to go work. <laughs> but for the most part, right, when we experience something new from God and in a deeper way from God, and it's hard because you know that what's it going to be like when we go back down now? Right? So, what's it going to be like when you go back down? Because back down is where we live. But as, as life-changing as all this is, at the end of the day, it's four days. And then you go back down and you, you when you're retired, you have to work. 
for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, so working, school, birdhouses. I mean, you, so you have to go back down, and you, you do this stuff, right? You live life. You, you live life because you're back in relationships. I got a, I got a, a, you know, my spouse is waiting for me. My kids are waiting for me. My employees or my employer is waiting for me. My friends are waiting for me. My school is waiting for me. My teachers are waiting for me. All these things are waiting for me. And it's no, not a stretch of the imagination to go like, hey, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. And in fact, if you read the story in, in Matthew uh, 17, it's the story of the transfiguration. And in Matthew 17, Jesus had just got done talking to his disciples about his death. And then he goes, he takes... Peter, James, and John, he says, hey, we're going to go up a mountain. And he, they go up there, and now, now life, now life happens, right? They're stuck in life, and life's not full of really good news because of this rabbi that they're, they're following, this Messiah that they hoped would set them from Roman oppression, has just said that he's going to die, and now they're dragged up, and the minute they, they show up, it's like Moses showed up, and Elijah showed up. And Jesus transfigures, right? It says his, his face shone like the sun. It says the booming voice of God the Father says, this is my son. And Peter says this. And Peter is, is me to a T. Right? So, so Peter looks at everything and it goes, Jesus, if it be your wish or be your will, I'll make three tents for you. And it wasn't Tents in the sense of a, of a tabernacle where the Jewish tradition would stack stones as a point of history. These were tents to stay. If we can stay here, if we can park here, I'll build tents for us, man. And how many of us have wanted, when God shakes us, when God reveals himself to us in a new way, when we draw closer to him, when we experience his joy, when we experience the challenge of forgiveness, when we are exposed to our own stuff and yet then face a God who loves us, who doesn't want to just, I'm good. I'm good. Because I know down there, ain't so good. But this is what I believe Scripture teaches us. In every single mountaintop experience that I could find in Scripture, the people that expose and experience God in a new way go back down to the valley that they live. Now with experience comes a level of expectation. With experience comes expectation. And that has profound influence and impact in the world. So what intrigues me about these guys, the reason I want them to be a part of this, is not just the story of encountering God, because I could pass the mic and we could all tell a story about what it is to encounter God. Like we could all kind of share moments in time, whether it was in a renewal meeting, or whether it was a camp, or whether it was alone in a, in a dim, lit sanctuary going, God, I don't know what to do, and having God encounter there. All those things are spiritual mountaintop experiences, not tied to geography, right? There are moments in time where God interjects himself into life, 
and rewrites certain things. But with that experience comes an expectation. When Moses was challenged to say that I am and go set my people free, he had to go back down to perform. When Elijah was back to being encouraged, he went down and was obedient. Even when Peter says, can I build a tent and hang out here? One of the things that he asks is, if it be your will. And we know historically that he let go and went. And Jesus, the disciples and their experience changing the world. Even if you go to Matthew 28 where, where, where the disciples went and Jesus went up and ascended into heaven one last time. Before that, he looked out on these men who had poured life into him. It says, go make disciples of all men. Go, go out into the world. Come down off of this cliff, this mountain, this isolated event that has changed your life. And go live in the valley where you live. Go down where there's life and go down where there's crops. Go down where there's people with all the good and the bad and the indifferent. And go live. And so what I'm curious about with you guys, is while God challenged you, God didn't reveal himself to you, what has he called you to do now that you're among the poppers? Now that you're among people like me. Did God call you to anything or, or speak to you in that way? Now, when you came home, there was something that he spoke to your hearts that you would, you would follow. How would you take that experience back to the world that you live, whether it be work or family or school every time. Anybody? One, two, three, check. I've always wanted to do that. You could. <laughs> you did it good. Let's give it up for Frank. Well, we, uh, I believe there was eight sessions in a row. I mean, eight sessions in this uh, program. And every one of them had a separate uh, part of the venture that we went through and I don't I'm not trying to I don't want to make it sound like I'm taking anything that any one story was less um, uh, less important but the, the stories that we heard that when you think you're at the bottom of the pit. There's always somebody else that might have a, a situation that's worse than yours. And in doing, in listening to these stories and praying for these people, these men, I was probably one of the last people that would get up and go pray over some individual, not even knowing them. Uh, and so, I mean, I found myself on several occasions, I didn't keep track, but uh, I just felt, I just felt that I was led to uh, go up there and pray for that individual because his problem was more meaningful. It was serious that I just didn't do that. Because I also knew that somebody was going to do the same for me. And uh, 
And you'd be surprised over 28 men, some of the, the situations and uh, their humbleness and uh, all the crime. He it was. That's all. I think one of the most amazing things is who you are to answer right before your eyes. Even you guys, a little over a year ago, I asked you to be praying for the men of this church. This is answered prayer. It really is. And uh, for me personally, um, I'm so encouraged to use mandate to tell others that you can be free. You don't have to stay where you are. <coughs> This is something I learned from camp. Uh, you're not alone. It was uh, interesting because I'm dealing with a person who's not really social butterfly or anything. But um, I went up there and I felt so close to everyone around me. It was amazing, exciting. It was great. So let me ask you something, buddy. So, <coughs> what does that affect how you? Go back into life down here. Does that make sense? That question makes sense? All right, so you reveal that you're not alone. Huge thing. But how how does that affect Monday and Tuesday of next week? Let's me know that I've got these men around me to help me out. Like I'm going to fix. Good deal. So we have a heart that's that's softened and changed. Right, we have we have assurances of, of of not being out there dangling by ourselves. We have a call to share. And see those those transformations, those transformative events occur to exist down here. Right? Because up there by God and in, in interjecting and, and intervening and having experiences of, of just radical transformation in my life to not only seek God's voice, but to hear it. But I don't feel alone then. In fact, if I'm up on the mountain and I'm God sharing with all this stuff, man, I'm like this. He and I are tight. And so you sit there at home, gosh, I can finally hear him. Right? I can finally, and I would say, I, I finally get a taste of his heart and how he sees other men. I understand what it is to be part of a family. I understand what it is to, to be asked for more and to have an expectation on me because of prayers being answered. <clears throat> You see, mountaintop experiences are incredibly vital in the life that we live day in and day out. They are critical to our effectiveness 
in the world that we live. You've heard me make jokes of, of you know, at times I, 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 I speak out of turn because I have reigned on mountaintop experiences because what I see in those experiences are a man or a woman crying for an event and an experience and God honors that. And then they jump to the next one. And then they jump to the next one. And they take helicopter rides from event or experience after experience after experience, never enduring life again. Or if they are brought down low, they sit back and went, well, this is pitiful. I need to get back up to the mountain. God doesn't set us to the mountain to stay there. God brings us to the mountain to give us an experience to where we can affect change in the world that we live in. Amen? So the, the call of God on these guys' life is what is profoundly exciting to me as a pastor because it's not like, oh man, I don't want to be here. I need to go back. When the bus leave? Now what's profound to me is, is Frank's heart as he sees these guys and you guys. It's, it's, it's Derek living not in isolation. It's my dad experienced what it is to be free. It's Tony remaining obedient. It's, it's those things. You see, so when, when Jesus in Matthew 5, 1 through 3, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. It's the foundation on the rest of the section of Scripture. It is, blessed are. Blessed are. And blessed is contentment. I, I, read, this, I read this section of Scripture, and I, I found this, this really uh, unusual. It was, it's not happiness. It's not just simply being happy, right? You guys had happy times. I heard you went four-wheeler. Well, four Four of you went four wheeler, who went four wheeler? Was it safe? <laughs> Was it safe? You your brother? Who wasn't safe? You're on the downhill side? You're right on the downhill side too? One scared, one had confidence. So you had fun though. Heard it was good food? Raising food? Guys, and you could fish, but none of you fished. But did you catch anything? That's you didn't catch anything. Okay. <laughs> but when when Scripture, when Jesus tells us, "Blessed are," blessed are is not just happiness. It's not just having a ball. It's not like, oh my gosh, I had the best time because I get to go trap shooting again. Or I get to go slap the water with fly rods. Or I went to have my life shortened because Frank took me four-wheeling. It isn't even the joy that's experienced when God speaks to us. And it's been a while and we're just like, man, we're just giddy. Right? Blessedness is wholeness. It's well-being. One writes that it is a condition of inner satisfaction 
It is a contentment that is not affected by circumstance. Oh man, sign me up for that, right? Blessed are, is a contentment that's not tied to circumstance. How can I get that? How do I live in contentment down here? How do I live, how do I experience, regardless of what I face, there's joy. Right? Paul writes that, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to bound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Blessed. Blessed are the... Do you guys have anything to add to that? Nothing that resonates? Oh, there you go. My man. It is now. Well, what I got out of camp, there's stuff. I mean, I can't miss them all. One thing is that I was noticing my life filled with more fear all the time. And, and found out that beginning in life, when I was in grade school, people started calling me names. And I've lived all my life that way. Hmm. And it's affected my life. But because the guy's got my face up there and said, you stop that. You stop by the lies of the enemy. And you begin to be who you are. Uh, you know, saying this song that I'm no longer a slave to fear. I've been set free. Mm -hmm. uh, I love my wife better. So down in the valley, right? I mean, down in the you, valley. you experience this amazing thing and you come home and I love the fact that the first thing I learned how to love my wife better. Not being condemned. But learning who you are in Christ right. and the freedom that happens in that. Awesome. Um, there was a section in there that's called uh, My Beauty, I believe. Yeah. Oh, Rescuing the Beauty. And it was uh, a really good lesson on how to love our wives. And so, I, I believe that <clears throat> this is, and, and, and don't, I'm not taking this lightly, but I believe that every one of us up here, our wives are saints. Uh, we're putting up with this as long as they have, and now they continue to battle for us. We do love our wives. I wasn't going to say anything, but I think I have to. I experienced the love of Jesus through people that were that unconditionally loved. No condemnation, no judgment. 
And the other thing that I want to share is that doesn't mean whether you know it or not, carrying a lot of pain. In all kinds of different ways. So, if you can be brave and find another man that you trust and you can share with him some of your quote deep dark secrets, you change your life. So, to be blessed begins with being poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit translates humility. Humility. Poor in spirit isn't a, uh, a, an attack on a social economic status. It is being so utterly dependent on God that you realize that you cannot function in life apart from God. It is going, I can't get here from that without God. And, I, and what I love about these guys is is not only just the, the, and you'll see us banter out there and we'll have fun, but I would say without, without a doubt, each one of them is a definition of humility. They're just them. But it is in the dependence upon God that God allows us to experience life in the midst of his kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So when we stand up before God and go, I cannot do anything apart from you. And if we're honest, we have all, and would it be safe to say that all of us have come to that point sometime in their life, where no matter how successful you are, no matter how much God's blessed you in a profession, or income, or family, you raise your hands and go, I can't do it by myself. Is that fair? But it is in that proclamation that I am empty, that I am utterly dependent on God, that God in his goodness pours out blessing that is a part of his kingdom. You see, my blessing is no longer tied to my abilities or talents or my, my desire to do a good job or how I look or how I stand or the color of my skin. It is tied to the one that I profess faith in. And I realize that I'm nothing without him, but with him, with him, everything. You see, it is in humility that we are released to become fully ourselves in Christ. It's the foundation on which all the rest of the Beatitudes are, are built upon. It, it, without humility, you never are able to experience anything else because humility at its core is the ability to raise your hand and go, I ain't much anything. Ah, but I am a child. I am who I am in God's eyes. But what about me? Ah, it's not you. It's Christ through you. And so... How do we develop this? I, I think what it does is, is we, we stop forgetting. We start focusing on ourselves. We live in a world that is incredibly selfish, and we applaud that because it gets us all sorts of attention. But in reality, in God's kingdom, it's never about us. Just like it was never about Jesus. 
When you look at Jesus here on earth, you see him just hanging with guys. He never went to the more fluent. He never went to anything other than just the people that God had exposed him to and people were exposed to him. But he was never about, look at me. Look at my father. And so he provides for us a model. The other way you begin to be dependent on him is you deal with your stuff. It's incredibly humbling to go, I haven't forgiven over the last X number of years. I'll, I'll speak for my old man because he and I talk. I know how humbling it is to sit back and go, oh man. Right, so if you if you go back and, and, and you look, you look lose a preoccupation with yourself, you you understand that in humility, God says, that created me a clean heart, David writes, and renew a loyal spirit in me. And so when we realize we're getting closer to this first of Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes, by the way, are not hopes. Like, I hope I'm blessed if I'm humble. No, the Beatitudes are proclamations. They are statements of truth. Blessed is the person who is poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's not, blessed are you or humble, I hope you get something at the end of the day. It is a proclamation of truth. Blessed are those who humble, for theirs is the kingdom. In a world, you guys will make a difference, my goodness, you'll make a difference, as these men will, by just demonstrating your humility. Just being you. Right? By, by celebrating who you are in Christ, not what you do or who you see or who's shown an interest in you. But by God Himself. You know you're you're getting closer when you stop complaining about where your life is. You stop going, man, my life's horrible. Everybody's against me. Uh, where's the justice in the world for me? We pray. You find yourself turning to God over and over again because a humble person knows that they ain't much anything apart from Him, so I better hang close to Him to get what I need and have enjoy the, the bounty of His kingdom. And I love this, and you guys didn't know this. Frank, I speak this to you. I think you, you begin to notice this, this poor in spirit manifest itself when you begin to see more of the strengths and the attributes of your friends than their weaknesses, and you critique it. Critique and judgment is an incredibly selfish endeavor. Because when we critique and when we judge, what we're doing is we're, we are placing someone beneath us to hold ourselves up higher. That's never been the job of a Christian. The job of a Christian is to love one another and pray for those who persecute us. Right? To reflect God's goodness and His glory. So this morning, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for what God's doing. We're excited what God's going to be doing through you in the midst of our church and in the midst of the committee. Can we give it up for you guys? James writes, humble yourselves before the Lord, 
and he will lift you. In giving up our tiny little kingdoms, the core and spirit inherits God's. Let me stand. Father, I thank you for your word that speaks to us today uh, as it did back then. I thank you for these men who, who willingly shared their heart and their testimony and their things with you. I thank you for your goodness that uh, encourages us. That, that even this whole day that you start by speaking truth of who we are and then we hear testimonies of, of men being shaped and transformed by your presence, and then we look at it step to scripture. That challenges us and encourages us to be humble so that we can experience your goodness in its entirety. So Father, I pray this week that, that as we look at our lives, that we would let go of some of the things we hold on to that adds definition to our lives. That we would find trust in you. That Father, I pray for men and women who doubt who they are in Christ, In fact, I, everybody closed, and we're out of time, but I'm going to do this real quick. Second service, I'll be forgiven. There are those here this morning that have walked for too long with the wrong title. That your name has been...